Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Let's stand for the reading of the word today. We're going to park a little bit in Proverbs, but we're going to spend some time looking at some very wisdom words, the wise words of Solomon. And uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6. As we're looking at this service with a focus on the dedication of these beautiful babies, I want to just talk to you a little bit in that vein, in that focus. And that's going to be pulled from Proverbs 22, chapter 6. And we'll go to one other Proverbs verse. But the Bible says in verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, everyone say old, he will not depart from it. That doesn't mean that children sometimes don't fall away from God when they think they can go find something better. But what it means is if you train them up in the way they should go, when they are old and they come to their mind or their senses or their understanding that the world doesn't have what the church has, they will not depart from it, amen? They will come back to God. It is a truth that is deeply planted in that proverb. When they are old, they will return to God. And I've trusted that many times. Proverbs 4.23, that verse has gotten me through, not just as a parent, but as a youth pastor many times, that when they're old, they're not going to forget the things that God has put in them. Amen. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Everyone say, above all else, guard your heart. I want to talk to you for a little while about parenting pursuits. Parenting pursuits. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. We ask that you make it live in us, that we can live it out, we can model it, we can walk in it, and be encouraged by it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Welcome. And of course, we're so glad you're here. Wisdom's voice speaks to us in that proverb that says, above all things, above anything else. If you're going to get something, don't get, that, don't, don't get that new car for Christmas. Don't get that new you know, game system. But above all else, guard your heart. And the reason for that is because the heart does not know how to live righteous. In fact, the heart is exceedingly wicked, the Bible says. And we have to train the heart to righteousness. We have to train a child's heart out of naughtiness. Amen, somebody. You don't have to teach a two-year-old to lie. They just know how. You don't have to teach a four-year-old not to get into the cookie jar. They just know how. They, they know how to get in. Job said, we're a few days and full of trouble. Amen. So the heart itself, it can be wicked. And what we do by training the heart is to put the word of God in the heart of our children. And we also have to do something very careful. And playing on words today, we have to parent the pursuits of our child. 
Parenting pursuits is not only the pursuits that we take as a parent, but what I've focused on today is what pursuits do your children manifest? What pursuits are they going after? What places are they looking for entertainment, looking for uh, excitement or joy? What things do they find that they adore or love? What, when you start hearing your child say, I love this, pay attention to what the heart is speaking from that child at that moment because those are things that are wellsprings, the scripture says. The, the things that the heart falls in love with will lead their life. Amen, somebody. So you have to be careful. Wisdom writer is saying, be careful the appetites they let themselves indulge in. Be careful the ways and the places that they live and go and move in because everything that the heart attaches itself to may not be holy. Amen. Somebody. It may not be righteous. It may not be a path unto righteousness. So we have to be careful because the heart knows no better than to seek after the things that it falls in love with. In fact, the heart will design and devise its ways and it will scheme and connive and make a way to get what it wants. Amen, somebody. For the heart wants what the heart wants. And you have to be careful to let the heart fall in love with things that are sin. We must be careful about guarding the heart. Amen, somebody. So the attitudes and the mindsets and everything that we see in Scripture that leads to clean living and a pure heart always bases itself in Scripture. It always sets up the way in which we should live. And the most fundamental place that we can find an understanding of garnering and, and pulling truth from the Word of God to help our children live for God and parent their pursuits is to start in Philippians 2 and 5 and understand that teaching our children to be humble is the foundation of every attribute that the Holy Spirit can put in your life. Every attitude and every understanding of proper behavior comes from the foundation of a humble spirit. Amen, somebody. So the scripture says in Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Give me the next verse if you have it. That we also should walk in humbleness and in tranquility. You know, so the thing that the scripture tells us here is that we should be formed, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But the next verse, often speaking to us, I don't know why I got the reference wrong, but made himself of no reputation, that means to humble himself, and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Can you go to the next verse for me? And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled, there it is. I'm looking for the model of what Jesus did. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus showed us that if we're going to teach children the pursuits that they should have, we must first model humanity humility in their life. The most amazing thing that I've always that I saw when I was younger was model homes. Anybody ever seen a model model home? A home that is set up in picture and it shows up in different pieces and they basically snap it together on your property. A model home. And then I noticed that in in stores they don't just show you pictures of your new kitchen or your new bathroom. But they set up entire kitchens inside of stores so that you can go and you can 
touch it and you can feel the material and you can get a sense of what it'd be like to stand in my kitchen like this at my home. They set up models so that you can understand what it's going to feel like to have the blessing of that in your life. And that is what God is trying to show here in this scripture that Jesus made himself humble. He modeled what we are supposed to be so that we can look at Jesus Christ and say, I wonder what that looks like. How would that feel? What would that look like? And what does that uh, represent in my life? If I'm humble like Jesus who died on the cross and I take up my life and I take up my cross and I die out to my life, Jesus will give me a life that he's modeled in front of me that's far better than any life I could ever build or I could ever scheme up. In fact, he gave me a model of sacrifice. He gave me the model of humility. So we must model that in front of our children. Children imitate people all the time. Probably the funniest videos you laugh at on social media is a child maybe imitating somebody else. Someone posted the other day, and I know who it was, but I'll keep them anonymous. They posted a, a picture of a video of their child sitting in the living room playing with toys, and their child was talking. And they come from several lines of preachers. It's like three, four generations of preachers. So this young boy is already like getting his Bible out and setting up a little box and pretending he's preaching over the top of the box, you know. So he's been in, ingrained in this model. He's watching his grandfather and his dad all preach. And he was sitting on the floor and he was talking about, yeah, well, you know, when sin gets in your heart, you have to get it out of, out of your heart. And he goes, and it was just like I preached last week. <laughs> He's like four. Just like I preached last week. What is he doing? He's modeling what he sees in front of him. When your kids come to church and you see them going, you know, what, what are they doing? They're modeling the praise that they see in front of them. The best thing you can do in parenting pursuits is to model what, your, what you want your kids to pursue. Model the things that you want them to be. Model the things that you see from Jesus that he lived. Take that in your life and set up a model of would you like it like this? Come, touch it, taste it, feel it, experience it. See, it's in my life set up this way and you can take this with you and you can build it into your life. You can build it into your home in the future. You can become this because this is beautiful beautiful. Wouldn't you like this? Look at it all set up at the store. You can have that at home in your life. Look at this all set up at the church. You can have that in your life. That is what modeling Christianity needs to be. They need to come and look at our lives, brothers and sisters, and say, I want to be like that. I want to look like that. I want my life to be blessed like that because they walk after Jesus, just as Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. As I model Jesus, you can model me because you're modeling Jesus when you model me. And that is our pursuit to so get out of the way that people see Jesus in our life and our children see it as well. They can see you pushing aside things. They can see you neglecting the flesh when you fast. They can see you deciding to be disciplined in your reading of the word. And they can see you as you go to church faithfully and you stand in God's presence and lift your hands. What are you saying? You're saying that God is more valuable than anything else in my life. He's more valuable than any other pursuit. He's more value than, valuable than any other dream. He is the one that is the God of my heart. Amen and he controls the wellspring of my life. So I've had conversations, of course, with my children as I'm parenting, and I'm not done yet, so maybe this sermon is premature. I need to make sure my kids, they, they get launched properly, because you can have one wing out, you know, just woo You can have them go off, and, and, and you, know, you, don't ever, you don't ever know exactly what it's going to be, but 
people become, uh, they have the ability to choose themselves, amen? And they have their own will, and God gives us that will. And sometimes it's a very beautiful thing, and sometimes it's a very awesome and, and destructive thing. But I've talked to my kids many times about the pursuits in their life and keeping God first in your life. Keeping God as your priority, amen? And then I've also talked to them about being careful the things that you let yourself taste, that you let yourself try. Because in tasting and trying, you might find something you like in the world and fall in love with sin. It is a hard message to hear, and maybe it's difficult to hear here, but when you put the word of God in your children's heart, it teaches them to love God, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? There is no shame in trying God. There is no shame in reaching for the Lord. There is no heartache found in loving God. It doesn't matter how difficult relations may or may not be, but when you fall in love with Jesus, he goes, oh, taste and see. Can you hear the words of the scripture? It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There is nothing in God that will lead your heart astray. There's nothing in God that will make you fall in love with something that leads to destruction. Everything in God is found unto blessing and to pureness and to holiness. Oh, taste and see. You have everything you want in him. If you will just reach for him and taste the things of God, you will become a righteous soul and you will become a steady person. You will fall in love with the things of God. And you will learn how to walk on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. Be careful what you let your heart fall in love with. But be sure to taste and see all of God. Pursue him. Dig deep into his word. Go as deep as you can in your prayer life. Because in him is safety. There is never harm. There is never brokenness. There is never a place that he'll lead you to that he doesn't have better for you on the other side of it. Everything in him has a resurrection on the other side of a grave. Hear me today that there is a way that you can go that leads to destruction. But if you lead your life in partaking and pursuing him, he will always bring you to a better place when it's all said and done. Amen, somebody. And so... Let me give you some godly pursuits that you should teach your children. Teach them that God is not the giver of fear, but he gives love and peace and a sound mind. So if you feel fear, convert it to faith and go after God. Number two, put the word of the Lord in your heart. I've touched a couple of these already, but I want to hit them carefully. Number three, be humble. Number two, put the word of God in your heart or put the word of God in them. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, that teach, blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips I have declared. You can't get it out your lips until you get it in your heart, brothers and sisters. So you have to first put the word in your heart and then you will learn how to declare the word of God in times of trouble. You'll learn how to declare the word of God in times of, uh, of your heart wanting to go astray. You will say, no, I'm going to worship him. Bless, you'll bless the name of the Lord with your lips. Know in whom you have believed is number three. You need to know in whom 
you have to believe 2 Peter 2, 9 through 13, we find these words. It says, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. How many know God is able to deliver? Amen. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous as they presumptuous are they, self-willed. This is just a picture of our day today. Self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Even the angels know better than to do that. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And then this verse it says, and shall, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, people that parent the pursuits of their children teach them that there is a reward for righteousness and there is a reward for unrighteousness. There's a reward for both and you want the reward for righteousness. Amen? In your life. As they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime, spots they... Um, spots they are the blemishes sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you I don't know if I gave you the next verse but I wanted to focus on the fact that the unrighteous have a reward just like the righteous do and I'm thankful for the righteous reward amen are you glad that heaven is your home and the earth has blessing and the earth has 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 blessing for you in your life because of walking with God amen and then the next one, which of course is near to me, is letting your children know that God keeps his promises. Second Peter 3, 9 through 13 tells us these words that please stay with me today. I need to keep moving or I'm going to run behind. Second Peter 3, 9 through 13. All right, I gave all these scriptures to them. Let's thank our media team, amen. Let's thank them. I'm not giving them a hard time. I just need help. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Next verse. If I gave you multiple, just stay with me. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, it, in which in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works of their, therein shall be burned up. Hey, the world is recognizing and scientists are recognizing that the world is not going to last forever. Amen? So they know that the scripture is actually true. In the last verse, seeing that then all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Seeing that we understand the world is going to burn up with fervent heat and everything in it, everything you have, the car you drive, the suit you wear, the nice things you have, it's all going to come to nothing. In fact, he says we ought to form our conversation and our conduct all that understanding that everything is going to melt with fervent heat. And so looking to that, we ought to be uh, designing our life according in our pursuits according to that understanding. I'm grateful I know that I'm not looking for satisfaction in what I have. 
I'm grateful I know I'm looking for my satisfaction in the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that when I step off this planet, I'll know that God has kept his promises to me. And your children need to know that. Your children need to see that. When you have difficult times, you don't need to show them all the difficulty, but they need to know you're going through something. They need to see the trials that you go through and the struggles that you deal with. They need to watch you pray the hard prayers. They need to watch you live the hard moments. They need to see you go through things that, that, that others look at and say, I don't know why that's happening. Truly, maybe they're not living for God the way they should because that shouldn't be happening to a Christian. But then they also need to see you celebrate. You coming out the other side of that thing. They need to see you be faithful all the way through and ride out that entire situation to where you see God's glory come to pass. And you turn around and say, thank God that person was taken out of our life. They were toxic to our relationships. Thank God we moved along from that house because God blessed us with this and God blessed us with that. They need to see you celebrate the things that God brings into your life after you go through the hard times. Don't just show them the hard times. Show them the celebration celebration of what God has done in your life, the victory, the family that he won to God, the people that he brought back into the fold, that he brought back to his name, and that he brought back to a relationship with God. Yes, yes, cry tears in front of them when someone walks away from God, but then rejoice and dance in the altar when your sister and your brother come back to the Lord, when your family members return their life to Jesus say it wasn't out there I don't know why I thought it was but I found hope and peace and safety in God's presence and I'm giving my life afresh to the Lord when that happens let your children see a tear run down your face let them know that you're grateful to God that he did something you could never do for you cannot always turn your family around you cannot always turn a loved one around but God can do it God can do it you hear me I experienced it God can do it my sister lives for God right now and I could do no more for her than I did for her. But she began to, to develop some attitudes and things and I was like, oh Lord, what's happening? And I grieved over that. But to, just a few weeks ago, she hit me up and says she's going to church again. She's living for God again. I could not do that. My money could not do that. My opportunities could not do that for her. Nothing could do that for her but God. Amen, somebody. And you will have to understand that your kids don't just need to see all of your successes, but they need to see the failures as well. They need to see you apologize to them and say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. Because that humility is what builds the proper attitudes. And they need to know that God keeps his promises. Don't just show them the hard times. They will walk away from God if you only show them the difficult moments. But if you show them that God keeps his promises and you show them when God answers and God comes through, they will say, if God can do that for my parents, I want to pursue him too because he'll do that for me. Somebody said, Amen. teach them to have a holy life because a holy life is the happiest life. You don't have to try to keep somebody in your life because of things that you're doing for them. Amen, somebody? You can preach that for me if you want to. You don't have to look a certain way or act a certain way to keep somebody in your life. Amen? 
But when you live before the Lord, you live holy, a holy life unto Him. And those that are in your life desire God often as much as you desire God because that's who comes around you, is the people that love God as much as you do. And I'm thankful for family that are holy. I'm thankful for parents that, that walk with God. But I'm also thankful that I know that I'm happiest when I'm pursuing holiness of God. I'm the happiest in those moments. Verse 13 of 2 Peter 3, 9 through 13, it does say that we are to pursue holiness. Nevertheless, we, according to this promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth wherein dwell righteousness. Everyone say righteousness. The, back, the Bible does tell us in Romans that we are to be ones that pursue the kingdom of God. And it says this about the kingdom of God. It says, for the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen, someone. That the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in what? We need the Holy Ghost. Amen. There is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So you need the Holy Ghost in you to have the righteousness of God, the peace, and the joy of the Holy Ghost. I know there's people that say you don't need it, but I guarantee you, if you're going to make heaven your home, you need the Holy Spirit in your life because it will garner, it will guide your pursuits. It will pull you out of pursuits that the heart wants to go after that are sinful, and it'll put a block in the heart's way, and it'll say, I'm going to put a heart blockage right here because I'm going to redivert all of your desire into the kingdom of God. It actually will allow you to have an open heart surgery and Jesus will reach into your life and take out the things that you're trying to pursue and he'll say, no, we're not going to let you go that way because the human heart has a way of serving up the things that it's tasted and the things that it desires to the mind and the mind is very smart. It, it finds a reasoning for everything. Uh, the way of a man is right in his own eyes, amen? The, the brain will begin to reason and logic. Oh, well, I'm like this because of this or I'm like this or I like that because of this I kissed a girl and I liked it hello somebody Oh, I snuck that in on you. There's, there's a whole lot of things in this world that are against the scriptures and against the word of God. And a lot of people are pursuing those things, saying it's healthy for you and it's okay for you to do. But those things are heart desires that people have gone after. And then they said, well, I must be like that. How can I reason this out? And so they begin to reason in their mind. And their mind comes up with a reason for why they are like that. And then it serves it back to their heart. And their heart says, okay, great. I have a reason to... I love that. It's okay that I love that. And so they fall in love with things they should not be in love with. But God said that there is righteousness in the Holy Ghost and there's peace and there's joy in the Holy Ghost. And there is a righteousness that you cannot have without the Holy Ghost. Your heart will lead you to worse and worse sin. It'll take you to places you never thought you'd go. You know it. And it'll keep you longer than you never thought you would stay. And it'll take more from you than you ever wanted to give. But if you put the Holy Ghost in your life, if you seek God, just as I was standing over there speaking in tongues while the worship was going on, I could feel the Lord just renewing me and restoring me and giving me desire and giving me the, the, the push to go after the things of God. I felt that in my heart and you will feel it too and it will pull out desires that are not of God. 
And you won't have to try to reason your way out of the things that, were, that are called sin. God will just walk you right out of it because he'll put new pursuits in your life. Amen, somebody. And so I'm thankful for that. And I'm also thankful as, I, as I'm wrapping up, I'm also thankful for the spiritual authority that's in my life. Teach your children that they have to have spiritual authority. That they shouldn't speak evil of dignitaries. Amen. Jude, chapter, Jude 8 speaks a lot about that. Or Jude in the 8th verse talks about despising not dominion and speaking not against dignitaries. Peter preached about it. He taught against those who despised government. Presumptuous are they self-willed. We read about it in the scriptures. But he also says it's a sign of the end times. Hear me carefully. That those, that there is going to be erosion of God-given authority in the end times. And we have to understand that we need authority in our home. Amen? We need authority in society and we need authority in the church. And if, a, if society removes all authority, then we still need to have it as a pursuit in the home and the church. That we ought to be willing to have a pastor who can come up to us and say, hey, I don't know if you're seeing this the way I'm seeing this, but that's a danger to you. I feel like maybe your heart's going after something that could end up needing to be justified. That you would justify it as, as good living. In fact, it needs to be the other way. It needs to be justified by the Lord. You need to turn your heart back. You need to have somebody in your life that tells you to turn your heart back, an elder or a pastor. First Timothy or Second Timothy 3, 2 and 8, we see the scriptures that talk about the authority being eroded from home, society, and church. And then in First Timothy 5, 17, it talks about we need elders and pastors. Now as James and Jambres withstood Moses, um, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. And then First Peter 5, 1 through 4 also talks about those who withstood elders and pastors. The elders which are among you I exhort, whom I all, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Hear me today as I'm preaching. God will support and God will provide and God will protect his leaders. Amen. And we have to understand authority that our children need to be able to say, that's my pastor. They need to know how to say pastor. Even if they can't say it right, they need to know how to say pastor. That's my pastor. And so whenever they come over to the house and they go, Pastor, I just fall apart on the inside because I'm so thankful that the parents are teaching them the pursuit of authority, amen? And that they understand that God will ask of his people things that he wants them to do and they're going to need authority and leadership in those things. And that he says that you must not judge or harm them. But in, in First Chronicles 16.22, he even says, touch not mine anointed, do my prophets no harm. He's speaking of the people of Israel at that moment. You have to understand the context. Verse 17 through 21 of First Chronicles 16 is speaking of the children of Israel that God would rebuke the enemies and leaders who sought to offend or to come against or to attack or to oppress the people of Israel as they journeyed to the promised land. How many know that we, our legacy 
receivers of the promises of the Jewish people, that we are grafted into the vine, amen, that they did not receive Jesus as the Messiah, and they were cut down, and the Gentiles were grafted in. So every promise in the Old Testament is now a promise to us through the power of the Holy Ghost in us, that when we receive salvation through Jesus' sacrifice, we are then grafted into the promises of old. So the Bible says that we should touch not the anointed nor harm the prophets, and uh, and also gives us an understanding that we have legacy promises in God. We have the promises of Moses. We don't just go back to the book of Acts. We go all the way back to the promises of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and those old Bible verses that everybody else called history. We call revelation and promise and examples and ways to live and good things that we can put into our life. And we understand that if we're a part of those legacy promises, that there should be nobody that steps in the way of the church of the living God, that the church should not be judged or attacked, but yet God will bless his anointed. And he's telling the world through that promise that we receive that you're not supposed to touch my church. You can't touch them because I have my promises in pursuit. I have my things that I'm allowing the church to be and do. I'm going to step them to center stage in the last days. And they're going to be a powerful church. Amen, somebody. And I will come against those who touch my anointed. That he spoke it to the Jews and to those around the Jews, not to touch the Jews. But now it's spoken to us who walk with God. And those around us should not touch the anointing of God that's on our life. And I want the children to know that, that there's a special blessing in spiritual authority. Somebody said amen. And finally, as we get the video ready for today, the power of God belongs in you, that you should do nothing to grieve the Holy Spirit, amen? But you should live righteousness and peace and joy in that Holy Ghost, that you should pursue what he has for you, amen? This is the most collective and beautiful thing to be a part of, the church, but it also is the most individual and beautiful thing to be a part of because God not only gives his church collectively pursuits in the earth, but he also gives us individually pursuits to follow after in him. And I'm thankful that my mom taught me a long time ago as she parented my pursuits that we should give our hearts to God, amen? It's hard to give your heart to God if you've tasted a lot of the world, I understand that. That's why we preach not to go out into the world and try the things of this world because your heart can fall in love with something out there and what you got when you're out of the will of God, you'll have to stay out of the will of God to keep. You all know that and that's a hard word to say but I want you to understand that as parents, we need to be careful what we let into our homes, amen? We can board up the doors and we can steady up the, the, the windows and, or, or steady up the walls and we can put the high walls up and the, and the strong house top on it. We can put a, a great roof and we can bar up the doors and, and not let sin in. But if we leave the windows open, we're still letting something in. Amen? And so be careful what your children fall in love with. And the final thing is that in them, in those children, is something beautiful that God wants to do. He knew you in the womb, he said to Jeremiah. I knew you before you were born into this earth. 
and I put things in you that I'm going to bring forth out of you. And so we have to be a church that does not despise the youth of young people. We don't look at them and say, well, when your brain gets fully developed at 25, we'll start to use you in church. But we need to start using our young people as soon as possible. Our culture glorifies and celebrates youth, the young life, but it also characterizes young people. It characterizes them as impulsive, irresponsible, lazy, and pleasure-oriented. In the church, it ought not be. We should not characterize our young people the way, or our children the way the world characterizes them. They are not lazy if we point them toward God. They are not uncontrolled or irresponsible if we teach them and hide the word of God in their heart. The church needs to be the, the one that comes around parents who are trying to teach their kids godly pursuits, and we help them. So today when we do this baby dedication, we're going to have the family come around them, and then we're going to have the church come around them behind them because we are all in this together parenting the pursuits of the children of the church amen in the old testament they would put the children in the center of the camp anytime the camp was moving they protected the children in the center of the camp and so that's what we want to do today we want to put them in the center and as the parents are guiding and godly leading their children we need to be standing there going that's good yes your parents are right yes your dad's right that's good you're learning how to play the guitar you're learning how to play the drums you're learning how to worship god with your instrument to give thanks with god with a musical instrument that's great we we endorse that and we need to encourage them. We need to be the ones applauding them. We need to be the ones that are not saying, you're just like this culture. You're just like the generation that you have before you. You're just like the world. We need not be saying that to our children. We need to be standing up and giving them a different voice, a voice that says, you can do something for God. You can be powerful. You are a lad in this place. You are someone who can lead. You are someone who can help, and you are someone who can be driven by God in the pursuits at a young age despise not your youth the church should not do that as well be an example to believers in word in conduct in love in spirit in faith in purity so does the church and so should we amen that as parents we should not be parents that look at them and characterize them and label them but we should let god's label live on them as children of god Children of God, please stand with me for a second as we pray. Jesus, today we're dedicating some babies to you. And Lord, this is the pursuit. These parents have come and brought you before them. They've brought these children to you as they've lived their life an example. I ask that you help us today as we give this moment, time in this service, that you would help us to understand that this is a very valuable moment, this is a very precious moment, and that we need you, Lord Jesus, to do something special with this moment. Whatever the future holds, we want that to happen.